buddy Scott Conical, and I listened to him for a couple of minutes as he gave me a tongue lashing uh, for all of my life decisions, which landed me in prison. And then towards the end of the phone call, he asked me what I was working on, what I was writing. And over the next seven years that I would call him, he'd always end the call with that question. So uh, I just kept jotting down notes. I didn't want to fully write out anything and it fall into the wrong hands while I'm there. Right. So coming coming out of prison, I had enough notes compiled where you know some of my notes would be as simple as I jot down uh, uh, Tommy, uh, name, age, maybe the date. Situation that I saw you involved in, and later I, my memory, I'd be able to refer back to those notes and, and fill in the remainder from there. Can you give us a little bit of a timeline? You were in jail, and then there was a trial, and you went to prison. Uh, how long were you in? And if you don't mind saying, what uh, what offense were you in for? Sure. Uh, I was initially arrested for kidnapping, robbery, and extortion. So um, I was arrested in 2005 in March, and for one year I, I lived in the county jail awaiting trial with the potential of a double life sentence had I lost in trial. So after the preliminary hearing, um, we were able to, to negotiate a plea agreement where I took a deal for 10 years, 8 months for reduced counts of robbery extortion which I then transferred over to the California prison system. Um, so for the next eight years, I was an inmate in the Department of Corrections starting off at Corcoran Prison. Um, the individual I was charged with um, having robbed was Joe Francis. Um, granted, I did everything in the indictment, but during the process of trying to save my life, Thank <laughs> you. 
correction system as a whole, the jail system, the prison system. The prisoners in California are, are on strike right now uh, for better better wages, isn't it? Uh, They're earning like, what, 12 cents an hour? 12 cents an hour or, or whatever. What do you think? Does the system work? Is it a mess? Is it overpopulated? Is it underpopulated? What? How do you evaluate the whole... I think the prison system, it, I, guess, I have to speak for California, it's completely broken and there hasn't been much, uh, much of anything done to change what has existed for the last 40 or 50 years since the influx of the street gangs and the prison gangs that have, had a, that have formed in the California prisons. So if, if the, there, there definitely needs to be a comprehensive evaluation of how best to move forward. Ideas that come to mind. California has upward of 35 prisons. You have various security levels for inmates. So, if at any point the Department of Corrections wanted to categorize certain prisons as gang-free prisons, with all of the inmates that are that are in the prison system that have to abide by the gang's rules, even though you had no association with the gang in free society. Once inside, you have to walk the line. So if the Department of Corrections wanted to, they could eliminate a big part of, of the, the violence that goes on and actually fulfill their duty to protect society as well as the inmates that are incarcerated uh, by simply categorizing certain prisons as gang-free zones. And I'm pretty certain that those prisons would immediately fill up with inmates who have no interest in pursuing this gang and then actually provide in those prisons uh, rehabilitative programs. Right. It's hard for an inmate to actually participate in any rehabilitative program if you're on lockdown for six, seven months out of the year because of gang wars that are going on that you have nothing to do with, but you, you have to be there, you have to participate, you have to be a part of it, or the option is you, you become the victim. Right. So the prison system definitely needs an overhaul. You say is it understaffed? Uh, I think it's overstaffed. The Department of Correction has uh, the, the guards, the prison union, uh, pretty powerful, and it seems that uh, you know this is one thing we have uh, a lot of talk about: the phones, cellular phones that were introduced into the prisons in I think early 2006. Um, and I've read plenty of papers, the LA Times, the different times where they they question the Department of Correction on how these phones are introduced into the prisons. And they always fall back, the department always falls back on uh, the inmate's family to bring them in through visits, which is a complete lie because any visitor has to go through the metal detectors. There's no way that you're going to pass if the guard detects it with a cell phone. It's completely the guards. Yes. The department of correct the, the prison guards fought against having their guards have to go through a check to come into the prison. So cell phones may be the most innocuous, non-violent item that they can bring in. But for the right price, you can imagine what else could be brought in. And it may sound farcical, but it's happened in the past. You know, there's been prison escapes in California uh, from someone introducing weapons into prison. So, I wouldn't think that the cell phone would be all that harmless. Uh, you can run your criminal organization from your prison, threaten someone's relative, right. their family, they're outside the prison. Incredibly fascinating, incredibly compelling story. Uh, we're so glad to have you, Riley Perez, on the show. Can you give our
with you and your book. Sure, thank you. Um, so my website, uh, RileyPerez.com, and from there, information is available as far as where it's available. Uh, Diesel Bookstore and Brentwood, Amazon is available. Anyone can go to RileyPerez.com, and from there, you can be directed to the various outlets. Fantastic. I want to thank you so much, Riley Perez. It's a compelling story. I recommend Friends and Neighbors, all of you, give it some time. Thank you so much for being on the show, Friends and Neighbors. We're going to take a short commercial break. We'll be back in just two minutes' time.